Welcome to Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I am joined by Allie Bradley, correspondent at News Nation Network. The website is newsnationnow.com, newsnationnow.com. Allie, thanks for your time today. Thanks, Stacy, for having me. Really looking forward to having this conversation today. So it's the border. It's a problem. Talk to us. Yeah, it is. It is something that has been unprecedented. We are seeing record numbers in migrant crossings, but that's not just the concern, right? It's the the amount of gotaways that we're seeing, which are people that are seen on cameras or in a pursuit and never apprehended. It's the amount of drugs coming in. It's all of those things that have a lot of cause for concern, more so than the family units that are coming across and the you know groups of people necessarily, but. When you see all these people come across, Stacey, what happens is cartel capitalizes on that. So when you see groups of 300, for example, come across in Yuma, what that means is there are gaps in the border that Border Patrol is not able to patrol because all of their resources are utilized to deal with these big groups. They have to process them and they have to transport them. The resources along the border are about the same as they've always been. They're they're slim compared to the numbers of people crossing in. And we've had a lower than normal recruitment class as well. So they haven't been able to hire people. They have massive incentives out there for for Border Patrol agents, like $10,000 if they want to sign on to be a Border Patrol agent, because they just can't get people to do the job right now. Border Patrol agents tell me that they are the middlemen in the biggest human smuggling operation in the world. So human smuggling, let's go through that for just a second here. And I know that this is an uncomfortable topic. Um, Some people are are even denying that this is the case, but we know for a fact that human beings are being trafficked into America because the cartels make money off of these people, and so do uh, the people who actually benefit from the sex slavery. So let's just kind of go into some detail on that. Yeah, so... Some of these people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on their entire journey. They might they might sell their homes, depending on what they are. But, you know, when we were seeing the crisis in Del Rio, when we saw 16,000 people, majority were from Haiti, beneath that international bridge, they started out saying that they were only paying $4,000 a head to cross the river. Coyotes will help them cross, and coyotes will will usher them across, will, will push them across in those holes like we were talking about. But by the end of that crisis... They were saying they were paying up to $14,000 per person to come across. That money is going to the cartels. That money is fueling the organization, the transnational criminal organization of the cartel that's also able to push all these drugs into our country. So when you're talking about, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit this is happening or it's even a crisis, the cartel is absolutely using humans to capitalize off of them. And they they feed them these narratives and these really scary stories, and they tell them they're going to kill them if they don't cross and if they don't pay them. And they'll, you know, they even use their children as payments sometimes because they can't afford to cross. They say they have three kids. Well, they'll give one of their children to the cartel or to the coyotes to cross with another family so that that family, maybe it's a husband and wife or maybe it's just a single adult man, that likely wouldn't get in without a child. And then you end up with abandoned children on the other side. And that happens. We've we've seen about 15,000 abandoned children, um, unaccompanied minors, every single month coming across the the southwestern border right now. And you talked about the sex slavery as well. A lot of women, I encountered a woman from Venezuela. Her name was Carmen. And she had been separated from her husband and her baby. And she was completely distraught. She was dirty. She was wet. She was alone. She did not want me to leave her side. She thought she was still in Mexico, even though she was already in Arizona. 
and she could not find her husband. She did not know where they were. And I asked her what happened and I asked her if she was hurt and she said yes. And then I asked her if she was raped and she said yes. And she just broke down and started bawling and said that multiple men raped her. The only reason why it stopped is because an older gentleman came in and intervened and helped usher her to safety. So this is absolutely happening based on their stories that they're telling me. Okay, so that's really dastardly. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the other aspects of this as far as the the uh, the drug cartels. Um, we we know for a fact that they're um, they're making money off of this. So the incentive for them is they get to make money off of people who want to come to America. The people come to America, it benefits the Democrats, but the people who come are actually because of the, you know, the perilousness of the journey, the rapes, the the sex trafficking, all of that. It ends up being, do you think it, it, it ends up being worth it for them? I'm, I'm trying to figure out why people are still coming when, you know, you, you as a man, you have to have your wife raped all the way up here and, and then possibly never see her again or lose your children or they're sending their children. Is it because they would rather see their children orphaned in the United States than continue to live with them in Mexico or, or the Northern Triangle? Well, you know, a lot of them are coming from even, we have 160 countries represented now of nationality. So we're not just talking about the Northern Triangle. And the families that are crossing right now are not from Mexico. They Mexico will get immediately repatriated. So all of these people that are coming across are, for the majority, different countries. And, and they're Cuban, they're Colombian, they're Haitian, they're Vene- Venezuelan. So those aren't the Northern Triangle, right? So we are seeing people, and I've, I've run into people from Uzbekistan, from Senegal. I've run into Chinese migrants. So these people, what they tell me is they leave nothing. They're hoping for something. And the worst case scenario is they go back to nothing. And so they're trying to give themselves and their families a better life. And if that's an opportunity that they can give their children, apparently it's worth it to them. Um, most parents can't fathom leaving their child or allowing their child to cross with another family or you know, the narrative sometimes doesn't fit. There was a two-year-old that was found abandoned on this side, and she had a note card attached to her, and the note card had her mother's name and phone number on it. And so the landowner called the mother, and the mother said, well, I know. I told them to give my daughter to that lady. Another woman and a child and her husband crossed with this two-year-old instead, and the mother was already in Dallas. So that doesn't really fit that I sent my child ahead of me to make them have a better life. She left her child and she was already in Dallas. So there's a mixture of stories that we're hearing and that we learn about. But for the most part, from what I understand is they, they believe that their life was so hard where it was that they couldn't make a better life for themselves. So it's worth trying to have the freedoms of America. What is the reason why they can't travel with their child? Cause I just remember being when my kids were small it was difficult for me to be apart from them for long periods of time. I just would worry that the person that I left them with wouldn't take good care of them. So I would, I can't imagine just saying, oh, I'm just going to leave, you know, this country and trust that that person I've given, I put a note on my child, that person's going to get my child to X, a whole nother country. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't speak for them because I don't I don't live in their brain, so I don't know what would possess them to do something like that. But again, they might feel it's their only option if the cartel is telling them that's their only option. If they don't have money to pay the fee to get across, 
or they, you know, don't have a means to do so, they might leave their child. And that is happening. They might allow their child to cross in with another family because the cartel is telling them that's what they have to do. I don't know if the cartel is threatening their life and their child's life. They might be saying, we're going to kill your child if you don't leave them here with us, and we're going to send them over here. Give us your name and information. You'll be reunited. I don't know the conversations that are being had with the cartel and with these mothers and fathers. You know, a lot of father, a lot of single adult men have little toddlers with them. And you've heard the stories where people ask them, where's the mother? I've even asked them, where's the mom? And they'll say, oh, back in Venezuela or back in Colombia. So that's hard to believe as well, because a lot of moms, like you said, have a hard time separating from their kids. So there's a lot of stories that are hard to piece together. But what I can tell you is that Border Patrol confirms with me that they stopped doing DNA testing and they stopped doing fingerprinting on these children when they're under 13 years old. So we don't know if, they, if they're with their correct family. And why did they stop doing that? It was a policy under President Trump, and most of the policies under the former administration have been overturned. In other words, it worked, <laughs> and it was a deterrent. You show up with a kid, the kid's not yours, then you were also, in addition of guilt, being guilty of coming into the country illegally, you were guilty of human smuggling. So in order to mm-hmm. take that away, in order so that people don't have to be convicted of additional crimes, you just remove that, you know, that screening tool. Hmm. And there's a lot of things like that, like the, you know, you have to claim asylum in the first country you're safe in. That is no longer something that the Biden administration um, puts into place either. So they're able to live in Peru for four years and have a child and have a family and be safe there. But then when the door is open to America, they're able to come. And that's exactly what we're seeing happen. Hmm. So let's let's talk a little bit about the details. I saw a story which I, I was having a hard time believing that the people who are coming in now, um, some of them are being given social security numbers. And really the only barrier between you experiencing the full American life and not experiencing it is if you don't have a social security number. So this is a terrible development if that's true. Yeah, that one's been hard for me to prove as well because they don't offer up that information when you speak with them. Um, I do know that some of them end up working somewhere and they have false identifications. Um, so when they have a false, you know, social security number, that is a thing. But what I understand is that they get are given alien numbers, a, um, a numbers. And so those numbers are will act as something where they can apply for benefits, where they can get additional help. I, I cannot confirm that they're social security number equivalent, but I do know that they're given each one is given a number. It used to only go to the head of household. Now everyone in the family can have one. So each family member can claim for some form of a benefit under this A number that they get. So what's the likelihood of us being able to do anything to reverse 4.9 million people coming into the country illegally during the Biden administration, or if that number is 6 million or whatever the number tops out at, what's the likelihood that we're able to do anything to deport these people, to, to right this horrible wrong that's being done? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I think that's kind of an opinion based question that I don't really have the answer to. I, I think, you know, there are a lot of people that have come into the country that do have a right to claim asylum, that do have valid asylum claims. And there are a lot of people that don't. And there are a lot of people that think that they're invited here and they're welcome here and they're here to work. And that is not an asylum claim. Um, so I, I don't know how to reverse the situation. I don't know if 
you know, if they're figuring out a way to make it okay when these people are here, what kind of, um, you know, response there can be that works. We're seeing, you know, these bust migrants in D.C., New York, and Chicago completely utilize all the resources there, right? And these, these communities are, are um, freaking out, for lack of a better term, because they don't have the resources to help them. But that's happening across the country because they're getting on Greyhound buses and they're going into the interior of the country as soon as they're released from Border Patrol. So, you know, I don't know how to reverse it. I don't know if that is the correct option. I don't know if that is the only option. Um, that, to me, is, is, is a tough one for sure. You know, we saw under President Trump, he did go and find the people and deport them. Is that the correct solution? I, I'm not sure, because we then have allowed these people to make a life here, um, and we've opened the door. And to turn around and, and push them back out the door, I don't know if that is the it's the only solution. Mm. So I I I agree with you that it's a kind of a perilous conversation, but I also feel like um, so I don't I don't feel and I could be wrong, but I don't feel as if there are people coming into America who aren't aware that they're breaking some law, right? They're they're not coming in the normal means. I just had this conversation with my mom, actually, extensively, and we just we just followed one of Governor Greg Abbott's buses all the way from Del Rio, Texas, to Washington, D.C., which was over 1,766 miles, 39 hours. We stopped nine times, and we, we went 39 hours straight with these migrants. We were not on the bus, but we followed the bus, so we were talking to them at every stop, and we continued to talk with one who's in New Jersey now, and he asked me, he said, what's your social media? And I, I told him. And he went on and he looked and he said, why is everyone so mad at me? Why is everyone so angry? Because they genuinely believe that they were invited here at this juncture. Do they, do they know they're breaking a law? I honestly don't know at this point. Invited here by who? By the Biden administration. So there are the ads that were running, that, that was a viral story a couple of years ago, that ads were being run by NGOs saying, if Biden is elected, you can come to America for free. The, these people heard those ads. Open door. You know, it's the open door that they're allowed to walk through and they're seeing all their family members do it. They're seeing everybody doing it. They think we need workers. They've literally said that we, you, we know you need workers. Let us in. So they believe that they're welcome here and they believe some of them. I'm not saying every single one, but some of them do that I have spoken with are actually shocked that people are mad that they're here. And so what is the conversation being had? That is something Kamala Harris was supposed to go and correct. They were supposed to correct the messaging. They were supposed to get to the root of the problem. But instead, we're learning these people genuinely think that they're welcome here and that they're not breaking a law because they're walking in. And they, they literally get told from coyotes, just walk down this road, go find Border Patrol, and they will treat you with respect. That's what they're told. So they, they genuinely believe they go through this struggle and they almost die in the Darien Gap and they almost die to get here and they get held up by Mexican police and all these things and they made it. They made it to the U.S. And they don't understand that people are mad about how they did it. There are some that genuinely believe that. Wow. Okay. So that is, uh, that is shocking to hear. Um, so so now let's let's go a little bit further into this. And, and thank you so much again for joining us today on the podcast. I hadn't heard that, uh, to be quite frank, Ali, I, I had not heard that they were, uh, that they thought they were invited, that 
they don't know people are angry. It seems like when since they're showing up and they all have phones that they would have gone online and maybe Googled or, you know, looked to see something having to do with this, you know, this situation. But that's that's neither here nor there. What other facts would you share with us here on the podcast as we close out that would maybe be shocking to us or that, that we that we need to know that your investigation has uncovered? Well, when I started this conversation with you, I brought up the, the term gotaways. That's something that is really, really a staggering number. Already, we're looking at 550,000 plus people that have come into the country unvetted and they have been seen, but they have not been apprehended. Those people are the ones that are not walking through the open door. And those people are the ones that are not caught and we do not know what they want and what they're doing here. Border Patrol always tells me every single time I talk to them about gotaways, they say double that number because for every one person that we catch, two get by us. So they have to prioritize when they're in a bailout or a pursuit. They have to prioritize. They have to go after the driver because they're usually an American citizen so they can arrest them and prosecute them. Then they have to catch as many people as they can. And there might be only one Border Patrol agent on eight people that bailed out of a vehicle. So these people are in our country, in the interior of our country, and we're talking about 550,000 that are known and recorded and documented. So that's something that that I lose sleep overnight about because that worries me because these family units that are coming in, Right now, what they're doing is pretty much legal under this administration. This administration says just being here illegally is not grounds for deportation. Every single person has the right to declare and claim asylum. That's what Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of DHS, says. That is what this administration is doing. So these family units that are coming across, those aren't the ones that I worry about. I worry about the ones that come in with the family units and use them as a Trojan horse. I worry about the ones that are getting away that we see on a camera and we never catch. Those are the things that I think that we need to be focusing on more and the drugs coming in more so than these large groups of people. Because again, those people are using the open door. And if people want to make a change, they have to vote differently because this is happening under this administration to a a virtual legal degree at this point. It's the ones that we don't catch that, that we need to worry about in my opinion. Wow. All right. So the gotaways are the also the, the individuals who are coming here illegally. They they actually know they're coming in illegally because they're avoiding meeting up with uh with with the people, you know, they're they're avoiding right. turning themselves into border patrol. Right. But there are some circumstances where again I try to play the devil's advocate and I try to be, you know, an unbiased journalist and see that there might be another side to this. And if they can't pay the money to cross freely with everybody else. Coyotes and cartel might be forcing them to cross through ranch lands and things like that, because we are seeing more women and children. When I started covering this over a year ago, we were not seeing any women and children in the brush and in the ranch lands. So is that narrative, is that conversation changing? Are they forcing people to do that against their will as well? Uh, Albeit it is still illegally entering, right? You're coming in between a port of entry. So that is illegal. But again, I don't want to put it, put the sticker on every single person and say they're all they all have criminal history and that's why they're sneaking in. Um, but for the most part, those people don't want to be caught. They run when there's a bailout, when they get pulled over and the car stops, they all run and flee. And, and why are you doing that if you don't have something to hide? And that's what most people believe. Well, I mean, yeah. So it makes sense that people who are turning themselves in are 
under the impression that maybe they have some, you know, some some right to be there or they're they're not doing anything wrong. People who are bailing out and running, obviously, that's a different it's a different calculation. Um, so it's not a it's not a fun topic, but we need investigative journalists like yourself to be able to come to us and bring us this information. Allie Bradley, correspondent for News Nation Network. It's newsnationnow.com, newsnationnow.com. Put a link to her work in the show notes for you to check out. Thank you so much, Allie. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Stacey. Take care. You too. Take care. Be safe out there. All right. We are going to be having another fantastic podcast for you shortly. But until then, find out more at familyvisionmedia.org. And God bless you. See you next time.